Hi everyone, my name is Josh Extra Barbecue Hafkin, and this is Understanding Esports with Game Gym. The goal of our podcast is to help make esports and gaming more relatable by telling the stories of the people who work and play in the industry. Everyone who ends up in esports has a winding journey, and there is no typical path. I'll be asking our guests how they got their starts, what moments impacted them along the way, and the advice that they have for gamers, entrepreneurs, parents, and those looking to learn more about the industry. So don't worry if you aren't an esports person. I'm here to help you understand what's going on. You can learn more about Game Gym and our mission at www.gamegym.com, and you can let me know your thoughts on our discussion on Twitter at Extra Barbecue. So let's get into it. This is Understanding Esports. Hey everyone, just wanted to jump in and let you know that Game Gym Spring Summit is coming up on April 2nd and 3rd. The Spring Summit will feature the championships of our Mid-Atlantic Esports Conference, guest speakers from the industry, and giveaways all weekend. This month and up through the summit, we will be raising money for games-based research at Children's National Hospital. For more info on the Spring Summit or to donate, head over to www.gamegym.com and check out our Spring Summit 22 page. And we'll also add the info to the show notes. Thanks for your support. Today, we are joined by Jake Canner, AKA Sir Action Slacks, Dota 2 personality and the manager of Arkosh Gaming. So let's get into it. Slacks, how are you doing today, man? I am doing so good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, it's always good to try to help people understand esports so that my parents think that my career path is legitimate and will talk to me at Thanksgiving. So, uh, so good to be here, man. Thank you for having me. I was excited. You know, I was jazzed to speak with you. And, you know, one of the things that I, you know, in the research that we did before this, they just talked about your energy and your vibe and and bringing good vibes. And I've been talking to you for three minutes already, and I already got a smile on my face. So I'm excited to get into it. So what are you working on right now that excites you the most? What are you, oh. what are you kind of putting together? Woo! Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Uh, well, well I got to. <laughs> kind of top secret stuff that I can't really talk about. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I uh, sometimes contract for Valve now. So uh, working on some projects with them, which are super exciting. We're actually gearing up to do a uh, remote play together festival again on Steam, uh, which uh, has been a lot of fun orchestrating that. So got some Dota projects that I'm uh, not sure if I'm allowed to say if I'm part of, but they are good. And they will be good. And that is the most broad, worthless answer ever. But that, that is what I am excited about. Those secret projects, which will be coming out at a later date. Um, but yeah, no, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, things are really exciting in the esports scene, in the Dota sphere. And uh, hopefully oh, we uh, figure out where things are going to go for the next Dota Pro Circuit. Well, I, I'm really excited, and hopefully, you know, maybe we could sneak in some, some, uh, you know, exclusive info, you know, throughout the the podcast. Uh, I told you get, not to ask. Don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll um, see. 
<laughs> but, but before we get into it, you know, we might have some people who are a little bit unfamiliar with Dota and a little unfamiliar with esports. So if you don't mind, can you give me like, you know, try to explain to my mom what Dota is real quick? Oh, my goodness gracious. Okay. Well, I like to say that Dota is the biggest thing that you've never heard of. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, esports. Oh, I, I yeah, that uh, League of Legends or the Counter-Strike thing. Uh, uh, we're very close to that. Dota 2 is the number one game on Steam. It is a competitive MOBA, which you might not have any idea what that means. I know I sure don't still. So a good metaphor for it is uh, imagine basketball mixed with chess. So you have a chessboard. All those little pieces have uh, little things that they do, certain rules that they follow. However, you're playing chess with four other people. So it's kind of like a basketball team. Everyone has to coordinate, uh, pass each other, use their abilities. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting. It's um, by far, I would say, the hardest type of multiplayer game that there is. Um, the reason that people love Dota and MOBAs in particular is because of that massive massive difficulty ceiling um it, there's 120 characters each one of them can take upwards of you know a thousand hours to get even competent in and uh the different interactions that they have with each other are absolutely unbelievable so uh yeah the reason why it has such a prominent esports scene is mostly because of the incredible difficulty people love to watch uh people get good at this game so they can steal their strategies and uh get better so uh, that is your that uh, grandma intro. Oh, no, that was great. I, I think my about mom a million times. To the podcast, <laughs> so she she will know. She will uh, be able to join us. Um, so, question: So, like, was Dota always your game? When oh, did God. you kind of dive into Dota? Like, or or has it always just been Dota for life? The first time I saw Dota, uh, I saw a clip, a trailer of it, and I literally said, "Well, okay, that's the first Valve game I'll never play." Uh, that it just looks like garbage. It's a top-down helicopter view of a bunch of little men moving, no idea what's happening. And again, that's a barrier for entry. That's why uh, MOBA guys love their game so much, because you have to be a real sicko to want to uh, be part of something like that. I, everything about it's hard. Seeing the enemies are hard, playing the game is hard, moving your character is hard. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, absolutely not. I was as casual as they came. Uh, I love Team Fortress 2. Uh, other like competitive games, uh, you know, Counter Strike, mostly shooters or other fun multiplayer party games. Um, but I'm a sicko, and that's uh, that's how Dota gets you. Uh, Dota Two is a game that's uh, you know it, you have to get punished and be like, I like that. That's that's fun for me. It, it really you know reels in the Dark Souls crowd, where you just say, Oh, okay, I'm gonna become the best at this game. It thinks it's cool, but I'm cooler. I'm a tough gamer, and then that's how it gets you, man. It, it you know, it's interesting you said Dark Souls, because that was immediately, I was just like, I bet this guy plays some Dark Souls, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Dota 2 is uh, Dark Souls, but your fate relies on four strangers you've never met. So uh, imagine that nightmare, and uh, that's Dota in a nutshell. That's awesome. So, you know, Dota is pretty special to the esports ecosystem, and I feel like, you know, the International, which is, uh, you know, a massive event for those at home. Um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the largest prize pool in all of esports. Oh, yeah, by far. Um, by far, last yeah. Time, yeah, I believe our prize pool last time was $42 million, if I'm correct, uh, for split moly. between five players. 
And uh, again, that's a lot of pride. Uh, we, as a community, fundraise that $42 million. Uh, Valve, uh, actually, is that's only a percent of what we fundraise. Valve gives 25% of what we raise as the prize pool. So uh, we hooked Valve up with a cool, like, uh, what is that, $125 million or something? And then wow. uh, they they were generous enough to give us 40 <laughs> It's really interesting. I mean, yeah. if you look at, at how other esports are navigating things, everything from like Nintendo acting like it doesn't exist to whatever Riot's been doing <laughs> and or whatever Blizzard is trying to make up in the in the day. Um <laughs> this feels like very it, it feels like a developer and an ecosystem that is integrated in a healthy way compared to some of these other things. Is that a correct assessment? What do, what do you I mean, I also don't want to get in, get you in trouble with Valve. Or no, no, no. I'm free um, to speak however I wish, bro. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I always like to say that uh, if you like to think of it outside of gaming, different devs are like different countries, if you will. They have different mm -hmm. ways of governing. And uh, that's a lot of the ways that esports are really uh, organized from these different developers. For example, Dota 2 strictly runs on a hyper-capitalistic system. There's hardly any rules in place. Uh, those that rise above and make the best products and uh, have the best innovations, they will become that 1%. And uh, again, that's like how our ecosystem is made. It sounds so cool that, oh my God, you get to win this event, a $42 million uh, prize pool, but uh, only the 1% of Dota players are making that. There's hardly any support for third-party stuff or even like Division Two or Division Three. Uh, to get people into the scene. However, uh, the grass is always greener. Riot Games, they run their uh, system kind of like North Korea. They uh, oversee everything. They make sure that nothing makes it through the developing bodies, and uh, they, you know, do their uh, crazy propaganda stuff all over through colleges and all that jazz. So uh, it's extremely fascinating, uh, but uh, every system has its faults. Yeah, I dig that. I like I like that analogy of every every developer as their own country. That makes a lot of sense. So mm. you, you are a caster, you are an on-air personality in this world. Um, how, like, how did you find your way into being that? And then, you know, what's it like being kind of a, a public persona that's out there in the ether and, and subject to everybody's, you know, opinions and thoughts and, and everything like that? Oh, jeez. Well, I want to call myself a caster. Goodness gracious. We have some very talented caster at Dota. Uh, some of the best in the world in the realm of esports, I have to say. But uh, I, I'm more of a stage host, interviewer. Uh, whenever people have me cast at events, they usually only let me do one series. Then they realize their mistake and ask me not to do it for the rest of the time. So uh, my big deal is making content, uh, trying to humanize the esports players and uh, make them not seem like weirdos, as we all gamers are. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, my main goal here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly weird. I guess the number one thing about my personality is that I don't really see myself as really anybody. I don't really have any innate skills. I don't sound cool. I don't talk fast. Uh, I'm mostly just a degenerate gamer like my brother. So, I mean, that's really all that I do, which is a great way to make your career because, you do super stupid things, uh, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. Yeah, that guy's an idiot. That's fine. Uh, my standard is extremely low, so uh, it really pays off. Well, that's good, man. I, uh, so talk to us about content then. Like, what, 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 how did that kind of 
you know, the, the career take off, you know, one of the things that, that we do a lot in our camps is, you know, we talk about, uh, we have kids like, you know, pull up their favorite YouTuber and then we have them go back in time and see how many pe- how many videos that YouTuber has done. And then we kind of yeah. show them, look, it's like you plus work plus time equals success. So, you know, yeah. what has, what has that journey been like from you for, you know, that first piece of content that went up to, to kind of where you are now? Holy woolly. Yeah, that's a, that's a tale. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at the time I was, uh, you know, I went to college uh, for a psychology and neuroscience and graduated. And uh, at the time I was a uh, ditching class to play video games, a real, real piece of garbage. Don't do that at home, kids. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, worked my booty off getting my uh, uh, degree and went to work in the field of uh, chronic mental illness for a couple years and pretty much just played video games on the side. Uh, I started uh, in Dota specifically. I, uh, you know, it's a very hard game and it's a team oriented. So when you mess up, flaming is very standard. And I thought it'd be a good idea to, uh, you know, people can't yell at someone who's acting like a moron. So I just made a bunch of dumb voices when I played Dota 2 trying to sound like the characters. And uh, that way people wouldn't flame me. My friends thought it was really funny and they said, hey, you should record yourself and put yourself on YouTube. This is like hilarious. So. Uh, I did that, and it actually started taking off, and um, yeah, my story is just really unique. I uh, had a, uh, my computer was dying, a little, uh, my power cord, and you know, I had like $200 in my bank account my entire life. Uh, It just came from a very, you know, poor background and all that jazz, and uh, I did a GoFundMe, a Kickstarter at the time, GoFundMe didn't exist, for $200 uh, for my power block. And wow. I went to work at Outback Steakhouse, came home, and the community, for some reason, raised like $12,000 for it. So I said, okay, I'm going to take all this. I'm going to go to this weird thing called the International Four, part of some esports, which I have no idea what esports is. And I'm going to spend every penny making content at this International Four. So I did it. I went out to Seattle, first time I ever traveled on a, like, a plane like that. Hired a camera guy, came up with some ideas, went nuts, and uh, that content was super successful. So I spent every penny on it and then got hired for ESL events after that to kind of do the same thing. And then it just kept going from there. So, wow. uh, yeah, as somebody in my position, it's just like I owe everything to the community. Again, as I said, I don't really have any skills. I'm just annoying. So uh, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to uh, ever start that journey. So, uh, yeah, that's was, amazing. Uh, I mean, it's, I, it's, weird. Just, it's so like esports communities, I think a lot of times, and we even joke about it getting flamed here and there and, you know, starting a new game and how people, people, you know, can be toxic and, and these things. But there's also these amazing stories of, com- you know, communities coming together to help people out or, or start a Kickstarter to help somebody with medical bills or some of these other things. And it's amazing that, you know, this, this moment of turning to the community ended up being one of the catalysts for your career oh yeah it was absolutely the catalyst of my career i wow. i would have gone nowhere without that so that's awesome um yeah it was crazy i mean but uh that's the thing about gamers in general is that uh yeah, sometimes we can be weird and off-putting but at the same time it's very much those communities are like a family as i said dota 2 is so hard and it's such a challenging thing to get into we've all put in the time you know we all went through the hazing so my favorite thing about Dota is when I go to a Dota event, I can start a conversation with any single person that I meet, and I know 
I mean, we've all been to war together, you know? We've been on the front lines. Uh, we've yep. all played Dota, so... Uh, I know exactly what to talk about and who they are, because only a certain personality makes it this far in the world of Dota. That's amazing. And and, and I want to touch on, too, the, the, um, the uh, International Four that you, you know, kind of made this choice to go and spend this money. Um, it's one of the other things that, I, you know, through this podcast of talking to people, it's one of the things that I've all, like, we keep popping up. It's like people have these opportunities to do something and, and they take the opportunity and they're rewarded for their bravery. So what was it like, you know, going to this event um, with this goal, with kind of nothing maybe on the back end, and then kind of navigating after that, oh, wow, it was successful. Oh, wow, now what, what can I do now? So, like, what was, what was that like to have success at, this, at, at, at TI4 and then kind of go off to, you know, this, you know, begin, I would say, your, your actual career, if you will? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was very strange, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it's something in my life when I went to college, um, I made this big choice. Uh, I had always decided, you know, in high school, I would just shake whenever I had to talk to human beings. Like if I had to walk in front of the class and give a presentation, I mean, I would like be so nervous. I had zero public speaking. And then I went to college and said, you know what? I don't want to be this person. I'm going to sign up for the most like social public thing that I can and just fake it till I make it. So I signed up to be a resident advisor and plan social events and all that jazz. And it just kind of changed where I thought to myself, if you don't like what you're doing, just take a leap. And what's the worst thing that could happen? It doesn't work out. I mean, then you know that, okay, I could have done that and it didn't work. So um, at the time, taking that leap was crazy. I mean, I was, you know, I told my boss, yo, I've, I've taken uh, two weeks off to do this thing. He said, well, you can't do that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I just, I don't know. I took that leap, and I don't want everybody listening to this to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that, too. I mean, I know that I'm a very, very rare uh, example of taking a leap, and then it happens. I mean, uh, a lot of people take this leap, and it doesn't work out like that, and it, it sucks. And um, I don't know, that's a very common story. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, don't do that. But if you feel like it, if once in a while, once in your life, you just say, screw it, I'm going to go for it. I mean, uh, sometimes it works out. Exactly. And at the end of the day, you know, you're going to, you're not going to, there's no harm in it generally, you know, put yourself out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, have, we, we, should, we should put an asterisk depending on the situation and other <laughs> things uh, that you're dealing with. Um, so, um, you know, the, it, it's, it's so cool. So like you got back. And then, you know, kind of what was your, what was your goal? What was your, did you have content goals? Were you like, I'm going to put out X amount of videos per week? How did you kind of create your own thing when there was no structure that somebody else was giving you? Sure. Well, I uh, went ahead and thought to myself, okay, we went to that event. I think it was successful. At the time, I didn't get any, uh, you know, offers or anything to work any other events. I wasn't even expecting them. I just wanted to do a series and continue to make YouTube content. So uh, I got that extra money I spent on a nice streaming rig, and I started streaming, growing that community. And uh, <laughs> it's funny. I worked for Outback Steakhouse for eight years of my life and, uh, you know, just begging for tips. Uh, it's miserable. miserable. But uh, I told my boss, hey, I want to give this streaming thing a shot. I'm going to take another two weeks off. Uh, and... 
if it seems like it's okay, I mean, I might do it full time. And he's like, all right, well, this probably won't work. So go nuts. And then uh, it definitely worked. I was doing great. So I just never came back. I don't. I didn't even quit. I just uh, did not return. And he broke my dingeridoo in a fit of rage. So uh, yeah, that was a very sad story there. But uh, anyway. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Every <laughs> Outback Steakhouse employee gets a didgeridoo? Well, no, they were hung up on the wall and we were redecorating. So I taught myself how to play it to torture my uh, residents <laughs> when I was in college. Uh, so instead yeah, of like, lining them up. I, I yeah. thought you like get a job at Outback Safe House and they give you like a didgeridoo and then you're like last day, they like break it or something. Like, <laughs> no, that'd be <laughs> sick. Though. I'd still work there if that was the case. That'd, that'd be hype. But no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, awesome. I stopped waiting tables. Uh, thank God, but I feel like everybody should have that job at least once in their lives, some kind of waiting tables or something to see what it's like to live in the horrible world of retail, but uh, it was very motivating for me. Every time that I woke up at 6 a.m. for an event, I got two hours of sleep, I would just imagine driving to Outback Steakhouse and be like, yes, I, I can do this. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I know I'm sure. never going back. I mean, it's we all got to do that. I I cut cigars at. I was a brand ambassador. I cut cigars and poured drinks for high rollers at at uh you know sports games around the area. Like those are good humbling experiences for people who you know are getting get you know growing up in the world. Um, Absolutely. so I'm, I'm I totally dig that. So um you know some of the people you get to interact with a lot of really cool people. Um. What are some of the people that you've interacted with or maybe got to work on a desk with or, you know, create content with? Um, what are some of your, you know, favorite people to to do that with and kind of what makes them special? Oh, geez. What a great question. Uh, I think that oh, it's so fun working non-Dota events. It's so fun going out to people in other gaming ecosystems and seeing like how things are on the other side, you know? Uh, some that poke out to me in particular, like I met Shocks one time at this OG um, uh, signing event. I don't even remember what it was, but uh, <laughs> we got to talking. She's like the main host over at League of Legends, and it was very fun talking to her and seeing like the other side of esports. Um, I think that other notable people that I've met, geez, esports has so many weird people that just show up. I remember we were at an after party and Hodor from Game of Thrones was our DJ or something. And I That's talked awesome. to him for a while. I don't know what the hell, how the heck that happens. Uh, just meeting randos like Gabe Newell. He constantly messes with me. I don't know what his deal is, but every time that we interact, he pranks me and it's very disturbing stuff. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, there's, oh God, the CEO of Valve, Eric Johnson. I, I've never talked to like an actual millionaire billionaire dude before and just like heard him speak and see how his brain works and it's like talking to a whole different level of human like, oh, okay yeah. this yeah. is the kind of guy that uh know, knows how to make a hundred million dollars and i'm trying to pitch him for something super stupid and i'm definitely out of my league for this so uh yeah just the amount of people that you meet in this world uh is just bonkers i mean video games anybody can play a video game so that's what makes it so refreshing it's you know country doesn't matter language doesn't matter nothing matters we're all just gamers so you know the amount of diverse people that you get to meet uh is absolutely insane i mean yeah I've been that. that's yeah. cool that's really cool and and you know like the at 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 a certain point, like the international is the international for a reason. Like, you know, there's right. people from all over the world who are coming to share in this amazing thing that they love. And that's, 
That's what esports is all about at the end of the day. It really is. And uh, the places I've been blessed enough to be able to go um, to meet all these different kinds of people. I mean, again, I, I grew up from a pretty poor background. I was never expecting to leave America in my entire life, but having opportunities to be able to go to like India, Germany, uh, Russia, Kiev, uh, it's absolutely unbelievable. Southeast Asia, what a great people down there. But That's awesome. Um, yeah, it unites us all. Uh, it's all from this common thing. I mean, you could just go on to any server and play from someone from anywhere. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's a very humbling but a very rewarding experience because there's a lot of countries out there that, you know, because of the way that their governments are or whatever, they don't get a lot of worldviews. And esports is like their way to be able to say like, oh, you know, maybe uh, women are okay to be on panels and talk and stuff like that. I mean. It sounds ridiculous, but it really is true. The amount of people that kind of we can touch to say we're all the same. We're all gamers and we all are spreading a positive message. And um, yeah, that's probably the most rewarding part of it is being able to see those cultures and, you know, impact people in positive ways. I, I, I totally agree. It's it's something that, you know, we all we all it's like music and sports and games. It's like these these you know, things that, you know, bring us together. Um, do you have any, any stories about your travels or anything like that? That's appropriate that you could share any crazy, oh, any, <laughs> any, any crazy moments in Thailand or, or, uh, you know, hanging out with the Dota two team from Mongolia. Like, what, ah, yeah, know, yeah, sure. What, I mean, um, anything like that? Now let me get this very much out of the way. I am a nerd, 100%. I am an introvert. I have a very, uh, you know, it seems like I'm an extrovert, but that's a very, very well-crafted personality. Uh, my number one thing I like to do after events when everyone's going to the after party is to go home and read lore wikis, okay? I am just a loser. Let me put that out there for you. But, uh, yes, once in a while I will escape from my uh, hotel room and uh, go do some stuff. Uh, some of my favorite memories are in Southeast Asia. Uh, just walking around the markets and eating balut from stands. I don't know if you know what that is, but it is oh, a... Uh... What is it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. there they call it a dark food uh, because you only eat it in the dark. What it is, is it's an egg, a chicken egg, that has been fertilized. There is a chicken in there. Uh, but they uh, cook it while the chicken's in there. So when you eat it, it's got bones and feather, nope. and you're eating. Nope. It is horrific, nope. horrific nope. stuff. But uh, some buddies of mine, you know, they had me go eat some Southeast Asian street food, and we were just eating those, and it was, uh, I did not do well. And they laughed, and they just kept giving up to me. Um, Australia, of course, I've done a number of shoeys where you pour the booze into the boot and drink it. Those ain't so bad. Uh, no, that, like that's not too bad. I'd rather do that and eat Vegemite when I'm down there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's it's crazy. I mean, I was so close last time I was in Kiev to being to, uh, able to go to Chernobyl. Oh, my gosh. That wow, been, uh, that's super cool. Yeah, that would have been incredible. Uh, we had uh, something for the last international was in Romania. We had scheduled stuff to go to spend the night at Dracula's castle. Uh, but uh, it Corona got in the way, so couldn't do anything there. I mean, Sweden. Yeah, that's the fun part about doing content. These other guys, they just show up and yell at video games. I have to uh, drag players to scenic locations. So I have a pretty pretty dope job in the scene there. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, 
All right, so I want to I want to touch on Moonduck for a little bit and oh. talk a little bit. You know, I I don't want to get I, I want to make sure we touch on kind of all the all the different things. So, um, can you talk to us a little bit about the formation and kind of you know impact that it's had on you? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Moonduck had a very simple formation at the time. There was only one casting studio called Beyond the Summit, and uh, they pretty much handled every single Dota event. That was third party, and uh, I'm a big believer in uh, competition sparks innovation. I didn't really have any problems with Beyond the Summit, but uh, when you have a monopoly on a scene, uh, you typically get lazy. So we formed Moonduck Studios as uh, a way for us to put some competition in the scene, uh, increased, uh, you know, uh, uh, development of tournaments, and I was personally just interested in doing something new. I have a, a really weird personality habit where when i get good at something if i'm successful i get very bored of doing it um so i don't know i mean it's like kind of the youtuber curse where if you're successful on youtube or if you're successful in anything uh, they want you to just keep doing it keep doing the same thing and grow that brand and i, I can't handle that so i decided okay i don't want to just make youtube any videos anymore i want to like do a dota studio i want to do casting. I want to see if I can uh, change the scene, make my own events. And then it kind of just formed from that. So it was a dual part. Yeah. It's like, let's uh, make competition and scene. Let's see if we can innovate Dota a little bit and make it more compelling. And then also let's uh, have some weird challenges and see if I can overcome them. I love it, man. I love it. I think, uh, you know, just, just uh, people at home, it's Moonduck Studios, production company. I think I just said Moonduck. So if you aren't familiar no, that's with it, fine. Um, you know, just want to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about. Um, so, um, at Moonduck, you, you are currently, or you've done a couple of different podcasts and shows and things like that. Talk to us a little bit about, uh, what you've done at Moonduck and, and are you doing anything with them, um, in the future or, or currently that you're excited about and jazzed about that you want to talk about? Sure. Uh, yeah, we, God, we've done a, I've used the Moonduck brand to do a lot of different challenging things. Uh, you know, starting a podcast, as you said, and working through that, uh, my proudest stuff is making our own events, uh, from scratch, just thinking of alternate game modes for Dota 2 that we could create, innovate, uh, get sponsors for and fund, and then make really cool stuff for the community. So, uh, that's, uh, we ran something called Captive Draft 3, which was a Valve sponsored major, which was super cool. Uh, my own Midas mode tournaments and uh, elimination mode tournaments are super fun. But uh, I'd highly recommend that if you guys are thinking about getting into esports, um, that you create something like that for yourself. Never get stuck into one thing. Find something new and challenging and make these really long-term crazy goals. Uh, that's always how I've kind of organized myself is I'll have like a short-term goal of what do I want to get done in the month? And I'll have a kind of long-term goal of, you know, what, what do I want to do in the year? And then I have my impossible goal. And that's something that I'm always working towards. So Moonduck was an impossible goal. I want to start a studio uh, and see how it works out. And then after you get that checklist off, you can move on. So, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of things I'm super proud of from back in the day. Uh, mostly we've all kind of gone our separate ways here. It was also a way for us as new growing talent to uh, say, hey, uh, let's all band together and uh we're all friends and we can make friendly content with each other and know we'll have a good time but at this point you know we've all kind of made it into the space i mean trent packs uh caster at the international he started off there purge and i both started off there 
uh, Suns fan. He uh, kind of got his notoriety from there as well. So at this point, it's kind of like a mission accomplished. We did great stuff. Now we all have our own careers that are very, uh, you take up a lot of our time, but you know, we always get the boys back together once in a while. Sometimes we all get hired for the same event and we're like, oh yeah, boys, it's a Moonduck event. It's us again. <laughs> so yep. You got to uh, get those reunions in there. Yeah, the legacy's still there, but uh, I don't think we're actively doing stuff together under that brand anymore, really. But uh, cool, cool. Yeah, but well, you are you are currently managing um, Arkosh, correct? Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> I just I I, I just want to make sure I get my 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 story straight. But uh, oh, talk to us yeah. a little bit about about uh, this team. I mean, it it's um it's um got to be. I imagine you know you've done you've done your own thing you've you've formed a studio now you're now you're uh managing a, a pro team it feels like you can you probably don't ever sleep um but like Not what well. is that experience like <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh um yeah you know those long-term goals i was talking about that was one of them i want to make a team oh that poor young man that poor boy he didn't know uh no, actually uh Dota 2 is a very unique esports space in that uh that big prize pool I was I was talking about sounds so cool on paper, but it makes some really unique um ripple effects. Uh for example, Dota 2 esports teams have zero loyalty. Um there's no reason to stay on a team when you can win five majors and then make sixteenth place at TI. One event really does shape our entire esports system. So um, Dota 2 pro players don't care about fans. They don't care about, uh, you know, any kind of interaction. They don't care about growing any kind of team brand. It is literally a rat race to place well at the international. And that's not a secret or some kind of like, uh, you know, hot take of mine. That is literally the situation. Um, so I wanted to make a team that actually cared about, um, a little showmanship uh, about their fans would have like fan interactions and do interviews and enjoy doing interviews. Uh, Cause all this stuff is there. There's just no point. Uh, it's, it's pulling teeth in Dota to have a player do anything because it literally doesn't matter. Uh, winning the international was all that matters. So uh, yeah, that was kind of the thought process. What if we made a team that was kind of like the WWE? It's more about storylines than about winning. And that's a first in the world of Dota. That's and, super cool. Yeah. So our plan was from inception, uh, let's make a team that interacts with its community. Let's do a weekly event. Let's have an active Twitter. Let's, uh, you know, help people make our new characters and have them be like masked singers. And you don't actually know who's on the team. Short and sweet, it's a team designed to lose. Uh, that's what I told the players. I found the guys and said, guys, I'm not in this to win. I'm the first Dota team that doesn't care about winning. I care about, you know, having fun and making a community. And, uh, this is all, I guess I'll say this on the podcast. This is all a very, very veiled attempt for me to show other teams that interacting with the community, doing interviews has value. Um, most pro teams in Dota hate us very much because, we have more viewers and fans and interactions than they do. And we literally won one game. <laughs> I mean, it, it very much upsets them. But uh, that's kind of the point. A lot of other esports have that. Their teams are always doing stuff and interacting with fans. And uh, we don't really have that. So it was kind of a, a sneaky way to try to change the world of Dota a little bit. I think it's working. But, uh, I mean, we'll it, 
it that's such a it's so amazing i mean it, it, it that's an amazing story and to go in saying hey look winning is secondary you know we're we're we obviously want to win you know winning's great but we also like the main thing is if we're connecting with our fans if we're if we're true to ourselves if we're doing these things then then we will we will have a different kind of success that's so interesting and and it's interesting too to hear how the community has been I mean, it sounds like the fans part of the community is for it, and the players part of the community is still trying to navigate uh, how to deal with you guys in a way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> something else, man. I, nobody wants to lose against us. We are literally a meme team of uh, <laughs> guys that are not going to Dota. But when we snag a victory, it is unbelievable. That's it amazing. just should not happen. Um, but the, yeah. I mean, overall, hopefully it's a positive thing. Some players get it and they really enjoy it and they think that, okay, I can see that this is value and the landscape of Dota really has changed from that. Um, I find myself to be very invested not only in, you know, my own career, but in my game, in my space. And eh, I don't want to toot my own horn, but before I was around, people didn't really do player interviews in Dota space. They didn't really make funny content in Dota. It was a very serious buttoned up thing. And uh, that was my original goal, was let's show the personality of the players. Let's show that we can have fun. We're not ESPN. I mean, uh, Boomer TV is dying, I'm afraid. Uh, you know, it's coming the uh, the blockbuster versus Netflix. Uh, more yep. actual good content of, that people care about, uh, authentic content of real people. That's kind of where the world is going. So um, that's what I wanted to transform Dota into in my own little way. And now... With Arkosh, I'm looking to show players that, you know, you don't just have to be here for the prize pools. You can make fans, actual fans of you that uh, care about you, not just if you're winning, but if you're just, you know, making a personality. So I love it, man. Disruptors. That's what that's what this this uh, this, you know, esports and this world. And I love talking to, to to people like you because, you know, here's these these things, you know, starting a studio, managing a team that you have as, as reach goals or, or big goals. And, and you're here, you know, you're, you're doing it. And it's because of, you know, these, these efforts that you made to kind of disrupt things. So I, I think it's amazing. Um, I think it's really, really cool. One of the things I want to wrap about before we get uh, out of here uh, today, um, if it's okay to kind of shift gears towards um, like, navigating video games as a parent um it's a big thing that that game gym deals with you know a lot of uh you know parents that we talk with you know we get the why would i pay you to teach my kid how to video games um you know we 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 get that a lot you know and it, it to me is a lot like um you know taekwondo in in you know 20 30 years ago people used to say why would I teach? Why would I pay you to teach my kid how to fight? And over time, people learned that it was more about, you know, community and camaraderie and working towards a goal. And it wasn't about fighting. It was about those kinds of things. And esports, I think, is on a similar trajectory. But I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit about maybe your your kind of games experience and how your parents approached video games. And then I saw you recently became a father. And I just wanted to get your imp- uh, opinion on, you know, what is what is, you know, what is your take on, you know, how you approach this with the next generation? So I guess let's start with the first half of that question. 
how were video games treated in your house growing up? And then we can kind of dive into kind of how you maybe uh, approach video games with your kids. Sure. Uh, well, my parents were pretty, uh, pretty, uh, that's a good way to say this. Uh, they both worked uh, the entire time. I was pretty much on my own uh, since I was, you know, born. <laughs> I, I get, I mean, it's a pretty standard story for people from low income households where both parents need to work just to survive. So, uh, yeah, video games for me were, you know, okay, see you in 18 hours, and then I'm playing video games all day. Uh, but, uh, so, definitely not going to do that with my kid. I would highly recommend not doing that. Um, let me just put it this way. I have never worked with somebody in the esports scene um, that was super, super good at their job that originally planned to be in the esports scene. The thing about esports is that it is a wild west of new media. And it's a new media that is exponentially growing to these insane heights. And I truly do believe that in the future, esports will exist where traditional sports are going down the tubes. Um, because uh, why watch the Super Bowl? A bunch of burly dudes uh, play football. That's something that you can't do. But when you watch esports, you can say, oh, I like that. I'm going to do that when I get home with my friends. It's interactive. And the more interactive things as we progress with technology are obviously the things that are going to grow and grow so while esports is going to grow to exponential insane levels i've never met anyone that wanted to get into esports ten thousand percent that's all they wanted to do and then they brought new innovative ideas the number one thing you should think about if you want to get in the esports world is how can i learn about other stuff and bring that in the esports and make that part of that life so yeah, a lot of kids ask me, like, should I go to school? Should I go to college? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Don't sit at home playing video games all day because you need to develop skills that you can bring to the field and decide how you want to uh, innovate in that space and be something different and make something new and incredible. Um, in Dota, in particular, psychology is having a huge swing now. Some of the most, the best teams in uh, Dota 2 have psychologists in them that teach people how to think about their emotions and how to communicate better and all that jazz. Uh, you don't learn that from playing video games. You learn that for going to school for psych and then bringing that skill to the growing scene. So number one, I would say for parents, if your kids are interested in video games and esports, that's a great way that you can say, hey, that's okay that you want to do that, but you need to go to school, think of other skills, learn different trades and bring that knowledge of something that you're super passionate about into something else that you're super passionate about. Uh, the worst mistake you can make in this world is to say, hey, I think I want to do this. Go all in, be successful. And then it turns out that's not what you want to do because then you're trapped in there doing that same thing forever. And that's what people expect you to do. And a lot of people make that mistake in esports. They're like, I want to be a caster. And then they have a good cast and they are known as a caster from now on. And then two years later, they're like, do I actually like doing this or did I just like the idea of doing it? Find out what you actually love to do. Find a passion and then bring that into the esports sp space and you'll never fail. Such great advice. And, and I, I totally agree. And I think it's one of the things that I love the startup nature of esports is that you you generally if you're if you're working for an org you're doing marketing and events and you know probably some business development and this and that and there's so many like amazing ways to learn those different skills and yeah. so I, I totally agree whether it's getting that psych degree 
um, getting a traditional business degree, doing, you know, it doesn't even have to be a traditional degree, get, go and, um, you know, get some kind of, you know, uh, uh, education in, in graphic design, coding, whatever it is for you. But then you can bring this to this, to this world and you kind of never know how like your kind of Swiss army knife of skills are going to play out in a way that like benefit you. And so just kind of keep adding things to your Swiss army knife and you'll be able to pull them out at different times in the right moments. And that's like the coolest thing to me about esports. Absolutely. And uh, I see that every single day. I mean, the most successful people in this uh, scene are people that, as you said, have a Swiss army knife of experiences and other things where they say, oh, I think I could do this or I have a good solution or I've done something like this before. You only get experiences like that from not sitting at home playing video games. Even though my life revolves around Dota and sitting at home playing Dota, I would never be where I was if all I did was sit at home and play Dota. <laughs> it's a sad, a sad truth. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to be a professional gamer, that's your life. But who wants to be a professional gamer? Jeez, I, I, my God, what's the challenge? It's uh, a lot. <laughs> working in esports, man, it's all about experience. So you have to get out there and you have to experience a lot to be able to uh, flourish in this scene because you never know what, ex uh, what you need to implement to make a big success. 100%. So, so I guess, what are you going to take into, you know, your, your kid as they start to game, as they start to kind of navigate this world? Um, what are you going to be on the lookout? No, I'm not allowing him to play. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he will not make the mistakes of his father. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. It's a question that I have not been able to uh, really wrap my head around yet. Uh, obviously, it's going to come up. He's only one years old at the time. He's got some time. Yeah. He's got some time, thankfully. Uh, luckily for me and my wife, she's very athletic and likes to, uh, you know, run around doing crazy stuff. She lives a completely different life than me. She completes me. So I'm going to hopefully have a nice instilled let's go outside and not turn into a gremlin like your father uh, childhood, but uh, I don't know. I mean, again, it's like less of a question of, oh, are you gonna expose your child to a video game? I 100% feel like interactive media are where humanity's going. It's less, should I expose them or how will I deal with their exposure naturally? And uh, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Lord, no one ever helped me figure that out for myself, so it's really gonna be a, uh, I mean, I'm so addicted to video games, I made my entire life revolve around playing them. So uh, I, I need help in that. <laughs> uh, well, Somebody look, write I mean, a book, please. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's not an easy thing to balance. And, you know, these these games are changing the, 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 the responsibility of a parent to try to navigate this world is always changing. And it's almost like I feel for some parents because it's like, luckily, you you are in this world. I'm in this world. And, and whatever, you know, comes next is not going to surprise us. Yeah, you know, it might be a new thing, new, you know, mode, new whatever, but not compared to somebody who like missed the boat completely and then is having to help their kid navigate this world. But I think right. that it's all about balance at the end of the day. It's great that you've got, you know, you being the inside guy, your wife being the outside person, and you have, you know, you have these balances and and you know, it I I've definitely when I've been grinding at a game the the best thing I could do for myself or my mental health was like go outside and take a walk sometimes. Like, and, and I yeah. realized that and, and, you know, the more that we can kind of put those in and teach kids about that stuff at the start, 
you know, hopefully they'll have a better, better uh, career navigating it than all of us who were just kind of fumbling around in the dark. Yeah. I mean, we got, ex- we were in the front lines, bro. Oh, we yeah. got exposed. Oh, yeah. I mean, we didn't know the effects of, you know, playing Nintendo 64 for 18 hours on the mental psyche, but uh, thankfully <laughs> technology <laughs> is catching up. So yes, I do hope that uh, everything in moderation, as in most stuff in life, you know, when it comes to eating sugary things, to playing video games, to working out, uh, yeah, moderation is a very hard skill to learn, but it's especially important in a field like video games. So. 100%. I mean, this life is all about just trying to find some balance in these things that we love, you know? That's um, right, man. So, hey, you know, I, I really enjoyed our conversation today. I love the energy that you bring. Um, wanted to be able to give you a plug real quick. So um, is there anything um, that we should be keeping an eye out or uh, I guess where can we follow um, or be up there on that news that is going to be breaking soon, but you can't tell us about. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. If you don't know what Dota 2 is, uh, don't get into it. That, that There's my plug. Okay. Don't ruin your life. Like I have <laughs> 10,000 hours. Pretend like you've never heard of it before. Please don't start playing Dota. Um, but, uh, you know, my, I'm Sir Action Slacks on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me. I mean, uh, I don't know why you would, I can barely spell. So, uh, my plug is just keep enjoying esports, guys. Uh, whatever makes you excited, uh, whatever your favorite game is, uh, go check out. Support your guys in that scene. Tell them how much you enjoy what they do. And if you don't know what esports is, and you're listening to this podcast to get more info, uh, check it out. We're cool people. We we got cool stuff going on. And uh, you know, traditional TV they're stealing from us now because we know what the people like. So uh, get ready you poor boomers because we're taking over and we'll see in 20 years when everything is esports. Oh, it's perfect. I don't, I don't even need to say anything to wrap up. I just want to end on that. So thank you so much Slacks. It was awesome to talk to you. Uh, we'll be definitely sending you good vibes and wish you the best in the future. So thank you so much for being on with us. That was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Understanding Esports is brought to you by Game Gym. I also want to thank my producer, Zach Saleh, and our music was created by Steven Spector. Once again, you can learn more about Game Gym and our mission at www.gamegym.com, and you can hit me up and let me know your thoughts on the podcast on Twitter at Extra Barbecue. If you like the podcast, please share it, recommend it to your friends, gamers, parents of gamers, and their pets. I'm Josh, Extra Barbecue Hafkin. This is Understanding Esports, and we'll see you next week.